0: Hey, welcome to another episode of Cash That. This is your host Joe Delara. <clears throat> we're flying solo today without producer Corey. I've got a couple quick hitters for you. It's the All Star break. It's a little bit of vacation for all of us, but I want to get you prepared to hop on some of these plays that are really only available in the market during this kind of little bit of a break. And the first things that I'm going to be looking about, looking at, and talking about are NBA futures. I was really hoping that we were going to get. Some of those props that are related to like points per game or, um, you know, something other than scoring leader. Because right now, at the time of this recording, the only thing that we have at DraftKings is scoring leader. Just as a quick note, though, in relation to this bet, I think that the way the current market is shaping up, you have Luka Doncic at minus 170. And then Joel Embiid at plus 180. This is a little bit interesting this season because Luca obviously just has Kyrie Irving on his team. And that was an added acquisition at the All-Star break. Luca getting Kyrie is even more interesting when you consider the fact that obviously he's averaged fewer points playing alongside Kyrie than he has in the season as a whole. On the season, he has a lead. He's the number one points per game guy at 33.3 points per game with Joel Embiid next at 33.1. Following him is Giannis Antetokounmpo at 31.8. I think realistically, this is a two-man race. It's between Doncic and Embiid. And honestly, considering the fact that they've added Kyrie Irving to this mix, might slow down the pace a little bit more. You're going to see him defer to Kyrie on a couple occasions and maybe they can take some of that offensive load off of Luca, and we can see his assists go up. But I think that this is a spot where with that type of margin, it's so, so narrow that at that number, Joel Embiid at plus 180 to lead in points per game, I think is definitely interesting. And it's definitely one that I'm looking to bet. And I think that's a good number at plus 180. I want to see if it opens up at any other books though, before I put it in formally. I recorded a pretty big podcast with Brandon Anderson of the Action Network, and that is coming out on Buckets on Friday. So make sure you subscribe to that on Apple, Spotify, etc. In our podcast, we talked about a lot of the teams that are in the middle, in the play-in. So I'm going to save a lot of that talk for then. Um, some of that those conversations, though, we talked about at length. We talked about the Golden State Warriors, We talked about the Oklahoma City Thunder. We talked about the Los Angeles Lakers. For the Eastern Conference, though, we are both of the opinion that the four play-in teams, or at least three of them, seem to be pretty locked in. Additionally, I wanted to talk about the bottom of the league now. And we're looking, I think it's very clear that there are going to be some teams that are tanking. And we know that they're tanking. There's no doubt that they are tanking. And that's something that we can make actionable. So I, in my opinion, the teams that are hard tanks are the Spurs, the Rockets, the Hornets, and the Pistons. Right now, you can bet on the Spurs to have the worst record in the league at plus 165. Um, And you can also bet them at under 20 and a half wins. Brandon and I, there's another, and I think Matt might write on it too, but there is going to be an article at the Action Network talking about these tanking teams. And you can look at this a little bit more uh, and a little bit more in detail about why we like that and what some of our plays are at this point in the season. Uh, But I can tease one of mine, and it's about the Golden State Warriors and where I think that they're going to fall in the playoff race. one of the other things when we were looking through this is you're trying to figure out like which teams, not only which teams are tanking, but which teams aren't really tanking right now. And I think there's four teams that clearly are not tanking. It's the Lakers, the Bulls, the Hawks, and the Timberwolves. So none of them have their pick. So that is definitely a part of the factors there. But there's a couple other teams that are really close, in my opinion, to whether or not they're going to tank or not. But one team that I think is particularly interesting is actually the Orlando Magic. The Orlando Magic have been really good um, over the past couple of months, and they have so much length, so much athleticism, and they just have a lot of these pieces that are starting to really blend together and fit together now. Additionally, what I think is important to note is looking at Tankathon, right? It, Tankathon is a website It talks about the lottery and like what the current order is for everything. And one of the things that I noticed with this website, Tankathon, is that the Orlando Magic, for example, are fifth. And what I think is interesting about the Magic, though, is that they are also getting the Bulls pick. So the Magic, can they can't really catch the top four because the top four is the Rockets and the Spurs who are one win apart. They're tied in the loss column, but that win is actually kind of significant considering both of these teams stink. Um, Then you have Detroit at 15 and 44, and then the Hornets at 17 and 43. The Magic and the Pacers are 24 and 35, 26 and 34, and then the Bulls are 26 and 33. Um, and then you get to the Lakers, but the Lakers are really gunning for it. And I think that this team is significantly better after the trade deadline. So I'm not going to really talk about them. But <clears throat> Indiana is in a position where they could like soft tank. Their schedule is a little tougher. Um, they've actually already hit their win total for the season. So that's nice. But they, they've they kind of struggled since Tyrese Halliburton's come back. Even uh, they've lost a lot of their last like 20 games. And they're in a position to, to tank. Orlando is not really, neither of these teams have really expressed they're going to tank at this point because they're not that far out of the play-in tournament, either of them. But the reason I think Orlando is going to go for it more so than Indiana is the fact that they also get Chicago's pick. So if you look at the Eastern Conference, it's Orlando, Indiana, Chicago, and then you're in the play-in with Toronto. So this is notable to me because Orlando, they could leapfrog Chicago. And in essence, they're going to be, they're getting the same type of pick value in terms of like, whether it's going to be top 4% or top number one overall, because at the end of the day, I think that, or Indiana at this point, likely falls past Orlando just based on the talent and like what's been going on like lately as the season's kind of gone on. So then you'd have Orlando and Chicago at back-to-back positions. This I think is really important for assessing the magic because you look at them and you're like, well, like they're probably going to tank, but I don't really see the need to because they're so close with Chicago, who is the the team that they're getting their pick from. So they could suppress Chicago and you could pass them. You could build that culture of like trying to win, trying to get into the play and whatever. Even if they fall short, you're really not losing too much here, as, especially for making this effort because like they're a lot better, but that doesn't make them good. So I think Orlando is one of those teams that I'm really interested to watch. And I'm very curious to see like how exactly that goes for them. On the flip side, when we look at the top of the NBA standings, What I think is going to be very interesting is obviously the fact that Kevin Durant, we're not sure exactly when he's going to be coming back, but presumably soon. And he has to assimilate now with Devin Booker, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton. And we know that Durant's skill set is generally one that you could just drop into any team. But I think that the Suns are a little bit harder for him to just fall into And the reason I say that is that they already have a guy in Devin Booker who basically plays that type of a role as like their go-to ISO scorer that can kind of get a bucket on anybody, especially from the mid-range. So now you have to deal with some of the spacing things that that implies. Obviously, they both can shoot threes, but that's not really what they prefer to do. Additionally... That's a lot of moving pieces, and they, like I've mentioned before, they lost Mikel Bridges, who I think was instrumental to their defense and what they could do in terms of switching, in terms of what they could do with defensive versatility, playing different coverages, um, succeeding in single-man coverage or point-of-attack coverage, and that's going to be thrust onto an aging Chris Paul and Devin Booker on the perimeter, which is not necessarily a recipe for success. Do I think that this is a move that they shouldn't have done? No, not necessarily, but I do think this the Suns are not a team that I'm looking at and saying like, "Oh, they're a shoe-in to win the NBA finals." I think that still the Denver Nuggets are dramatically undervalued. You have the what looks like it's going to be the reigning three-time MVP and you're plus 750 with like a pretty solid lock on the number 1 seed in the West. And potentially even the number one seed overall in the Denver Nuggets. Um, their path is presumably harder because the bottom of the Western Conference is a little bit more difficult, I would say, than the Eastern Conference. However, when we really look at this, the West is tougher because like they have big names, they have big, uh, you know, you have these teams that are like you presume to be good. Uh, You're looking at the play-in, you're looking at the Pelicans, the Timberwolves, the Warriors, the Thunder, and then you're like even just closer to that, the Jazz, the Blazers, and the Lakers. So obviously any team with LeBron James and Anthony Davis is concerning. Any team with the Golden State Warriors, with Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Klay Thompson, Jordan Poole, you're concerned about that, right? But at the end of the day, these teams are not nearly as good as the Denver Nuggets have been. Nuggets are by far the best team in the West in my opinion. Um I think that they're in their own tier based on what they can do offensively and defensively and Jamal Murray has really started to come in on can come into his own and he's starting to play a lot better as the season has progressed. So I think right now if I had to pick one team to win the NBA title, it's the Denver Nuggets at plus 750. I think that they match up best against the teams that are top in the West as well, just based on the fact that they have Jokic and they have so many other abilities. They have good coaching. They're playoff tested, and a lot of people would criticize them and saying like, "Well, they never made a finals. They haven't done this. They haven't done that. They've been hurt." This is the team when they went out and got Aaron Gordon. They went into the luxury tax. This was the team. Like the iteration of this team is what they thought they were going to be taking to the NBA Finals then. And then based on the, some of the injuries that they had to deal with, they were like, you know what? Like, we're just going to have to kind of eat it. We're going to survive. We're going to survive. It. We're going to survive. Now we're finally getting that team and they're playing. So at plus 750, I really, really like the number. I think it's too long. I don't think that Phoenix should be favored in the way that they are. And that also has to do with the standings. So I want to take you to the Pacific division. And I have a bet here and it's a little bit, different than probably what you would maybe anticipate right i like the sacramento kings to win the division and the reason i like the kings to win the division at plus 500 uh it's plus 475 most places but there's still some plus 500s out there the reason i like this is when you really get into it right the kings have a three-game lead in the loss column and they're tied with the Suns in the win column, and they're one game behind in wins against the Clippers. The Suns, or the Kings rather, are going for it. They are trying. like They are putting their best foot out there every single night. They're not resting guys if they don't have to. They are really trying, and they, they want to establish themselves as a premier team in the Western Conference, and they've done an excellent job so far this season. Part of why I like them to continue this is because the Clippers – continue to load manage to a certain degree, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. And honestly, like they just brought in Russell Westbrook. We don't know what that's going to do to their rotations. Maybe honestly, that costs them a game or two. Maybe they sit guys and it costs them a game or two. And they're kind of in the boat of teams that were like, do they really care where they're seated as long as they're in the playoffs? Maybe not. Same thing with Phoenix. They're going to be going through some growing pains here. And they're going to be trying to figure themselves out and like figure out where exactly they are and like how this team fits, like what is their chemistry like? And then the Warriors, you're still without Steph Curry, and they're four games behind in the loss column and three games behind in the win column. Then, like, realistically, I don't think the Lakers can ever catch the Kings based on the fact that they're seven games back in the loss column. So I like what Sacramento is doing. I think that what they're doing, especially for the regular season, will continue to work. They're eleventh in adjusted net with the second best offense in the league to the Boston Celtics. Ahead of even, they're like slightly ahead in terms of like in terms of margin of the Denver Nuggets and adjusted offensive rating. But even though their defense has been poor, the offense is so overwhelmingly good that I think it's setting them up to be in a position where they can beat these teams that they're supposed to on the on the way out of the season and continue to lock in this division. Uh, so at that number, at plus 500, I think it's something that you have to consider, if not bet, uh, and make actionable right now. Another thing that I wanted to mention, though, when we're looking at, the Eastern Conference. as part of that trade with for Kevin Durant, the Nets just have a plethora of players, wings, guards, whatever. The rotation is huge, and they're, you know, they're playing for this year. They have a pretty significant lead. I don't think that they fall past seven. I don't think they go up. I, I don't really think they can climb because they're not only they're a loss behind Cleveland, but they're four wins behind Cleveland, which is significant, but I don't think they climb, but I think that it's possible that they could fall and not necessarily through any fault of their own, but just to the fact that they're trying to figure out their rotations, they're trying to figure out what works. They're trying to figure out like, who can we move in the off season? Like, who do we want to keep here long-term? And the Knicks and the Miami Heat are both playing excellent basketball lately um and the heat have kind of been one of those teams where you figure are they going to turn it on or are they not going to turn it on whatever both of these teams want to avoid the play-in which is the knicks and the heat i think it's entirely possible that both new york and miami leapfrog the brooklyn nets in the standings and that would put new york or the put the brooklyn nets rather in the play-in tournament They're like plus 300-ish or so to make the play-in tournament. I think the bet to take on the Brooklyn Nets right now is plus 550 to be the seventh seed on DraftKings because I don't think that it's possible for them to fall six spots, six losses to where they'd be looking at like a virtual tie with not only Atlanta, but also with Washington and even the Raptors. I just don't see that happening. So I think that it's possible that New York and Miami pass them but I think that if you think that they might drop to the play in and the floor falls out just bet them to be the 7 seed and you can get that at a much bigger number. When we're talking about this too there's a little bit of a corollary with some of the awards, right? So the big award that I've spent a lot of time talking about is most improved player. And there's been overwhelming favorites at some points. There's been now, there's no consensus consensus favorite. There's been movement in the market. And right now, it looks like a two-man race with a third being Jalen Brunson. But it looks primarily to be between Laurie Markinen and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. I'll talk about the Thunder a little bit more in an article that's coming out for Action Network and in the conversation I had with Brandon Anderson on buckets. But... In a nutshell, I think that the Thunder are more likely than the Jazz to make the play in. I think that because the Jazz have traded away a lot of players, whereas OKC did not necessarily trade away as many players. Um, I also think that the Jazz have been on like a steady decline, while the Thunder are have the 10th best adjusted net rating in the NBA right now, which is just like mind boggling, right? Um and you can get Shea a plus money right now, plus 135 to be most improved. If you've bet on these other positions that we've talked about, if you've bet on Jalen Brunson at a big 50-to-1 number, like I tweeted out, if you've bet on Tyrese Halliburton throughout the season, if you've bet on Laurie Markkinen because there was a point where he was like 9-to-1. Now, I think, is the time, if you haven't bet on Shea, that you need to go open a, pos- a position that's big enough to cover the rest of your positions. At a minimum, because I think that the Thunder go and win that play-in spot. And if they're in the play-in, that seems like it's going to be a lot about Shay. I love what Brunson's doing. I think it's possible he makes a big push, but we already have him at a big number. And in terms of advanced metrics, he just doesn't, he still isn't lining up as well with with Shay and even with Laurie. Um, so it's definitely one to it's definitely one that we need to keep an eye on. But I think that right now, if you haven't opened up a position, now would be your time to do so. Because like even in EPM, Shea is like over plus five, Brunson is plus two, and Laurie is plus 5.2. So Shea Shea has a higher EPM than Laurie Markkinen. This is the way I think that you can bet these teams. And that's in large part because I think that the Jazz are really going to fall out of this. And just say like, you know what? We had a lot of good pieces. It's fine. We traded a lot of them away. We didn't really expect the season to go this way. Um, But we learned a lot about ourselves. We've gotten a lot better. We've gotten some community, some continuity. And that's kind of the route that we want to take. So I think that you need to open a position on Shea to be the most improved player. And finally, the play that I'm most interested in is it's honestly about the Golden State Warriors. And I think I mentioned it before. We're stream of conscious talking here. But I like the Warriors to miss the playoffs at plus 250. Joe, you're out of your fucking mind. I honestly, I don't think so. A lot of this has to do with the fact that we're not really sure how hurt Steph Curry is, and they have a they come out of the break with a back to back against the Lakers and the Rockets. They should beat the Rockets, sure, but that game against the Lakers is very significant. And the reason it's so significant is that they're currently tied head to head one to one this season. They have two more games left. If whichever team wins that means that they can't fall below them and lose the tiebreaker, worst-case scenario. And now the now the Warriors are going to have to go play them or try to play the Lakers, who are kind of revamped. They've gotten together after the All-Star break, and it looks like Curry's not going to play, especially on the front end of a back-to-back where the next games against Houston. I think that they're not going to rush him back. They're going to let him sit there. When we look at this a little bit more, though, the Warriors, they're if presuming that the Lakers beat the Warriors, the Warriors are going to be 29 and 30, the Lakers are going to be 28 and 32, and they're going to be up two to one on the season series. Looking at the standings, though, that loss would push them below the Thunder. And then you have the Jazz, the Blazers, and the Lakers. I think the Jazz fall out like I mentioned before. The Blazers, you never really know. Um, maybe they can make a push if Simon's injury isn't as bad, uh, if Dame gets really hot. But the Blazers are obviously a threat. And then you have the Lakers in this situation. The other problem is, we're, like I said, we're not really sure how hurt Curry is. And this is the Warriors' next stretch of games. They have the Lakers, the Rockets, the Timberwolves, the Blazers, the Clippers, the Pelicans, the Lakers, and the Thunder. That doesn't seem that difficult, but the problem with that schedule is those are all teams that they are in direct competition with for the play-in outside of the Los Angeles Clippers. We know that the Warriors have distinct home and road splits, and five of those games are at home. However, doing this without Steph Curry is a completely different hurdle. And I think it's possible if they really start struggling and they've talked about how they can turn it on, it could flip a switch, championship pedigree, yada, yada, yada. Sometimes you can just math by math be too late. And I think we're getting dangerously close there with the Warriors. Additionally, this is not a bet to miss the play in. This is a bet to miss the playoffs. So even if the Warriors are in the 9-10 spot, that means they have to win two games, one of which at a minimum is on the road. Then you have to play whoever the loser is of the 7-8 game. You have multiple outs on this. They can miss the play-in entirely. They could be in the 9-10 game, maybe against the Lakers. Uh, which is, or, or, or against even like the, the Mavericks fall, the Pelicans fall and Zion's back. There's so many different outs you have on this bet. And I think that part of that is because the market is pricing Oklahoma city as a team that will fall out. And I'm not convinced that they will based on what they're putting up so far this season, especially for a team that we're looking at this, like, yeah, We talked about them as being a bad team. They should tank, yada, yada, yada. They feel like they have their guy in Chet Holmgren. And you also have a guy in Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Josh Giddy, Jalen Williams. Like You have a lot of talent. Why don't you just push the envelope and see how good you can be? So with all of that in mind, I think it's entirely possible that they could inadvertently slip out of the playoffs. And even if they do... I think it's still hard. Obviously, it's a one game playoff. Like, you want to trust the Warriors, but it does become difficult because you can start introducing variants. You start introducing all these other, like, injuries, anything to the equation. And now you have some outs, and you're probably going to have another plus money side to bet if you want to try to hedge that original play on the Warriors to not make the playoffs. So those are my favorite f- futures for this point of the season. Um, I'll recap a couple of them, but I like Joel Embiid to lead the league in points per game. I like the Warriors to miss the playoffs. I like the Thunder to make the play in. I like the Brooklyn Nets to be the five or to be the seven seed. I like Shea to win most improved. I like the Spurs to be the one of the worst teams in the league. I like the Brooklyn Nets to be the seven seed. And I like the Sacramento Kings to hold strong, win the Pacific division. And I still have the nuggets up on top. Those are my bets. And that's kind of where we're at with this future spot. So I hope everybody enjoyed the little bit of a break that we had from basketball. Did okay with the dunk contest, had Mac McClung had some fun there but i'm looking forward to getting some more content out there for you guys if i do see those player prop markets with individual points per game rebounds per game over unders type of thing i'll be sure to get those out on twitter pre-tip on thursday so l- make sure to like subscribe all that jazz and let's cash that
1: i got a question why they ain't know me I got a question why they hate on me I ain't did nothing to them but count this money and put my team on got my whole clique standing, boy, what's up? Yeah, boy, what's up? Yeah It's how you hear me rhyme Every time you see me in your st-